Hello, Rip City, to all of your here in town and in every corner of the interwebs. Thank you for tuning in here today with Abdukalis and Mikey once again. How's it going, my friends? Doing well, Keith. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. A really good day out here in Minnesota as well. I went uh, for a little um, walk a little bit earlier today, just enjoying the uh, awesome weather we've been having. Excited to be back on. Playoffs are about to start. We're reaching the end, the end of the season here, so no better time to be in tune into the NBA. And, uh, you know, also, I just want to point something out here. This is probably the only time you guys will catch me here to talk Blazers without a Blazers shirt on. So happy uh, Star Wars Day to both of you. May the fourth be with you. Uh, I, you know, in all the things we just talked about pre-show, uh, which, you know, is not available to anyone but us right now. Eventually, maybe we'll have our crazy Patreon or one of the other subscription things and people can get in and talk with us, but uh, get all these all these hot takes that are coming in pre-show. No, okay, that's overselling it. But are either of you Star Wars fans? I have seen the entire catalog of the nine Star Wars episodes. Um, I, yeah, uh, I, 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 I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Okay, but okay. I'm not like, uh, I don't think I have any gear. I don't think I have any gear, but, but yeah. Who's your favorite character? That was going around today. That's a good question. I'm I'm probably a little biased right now because he's got his new miniseries coming out, but Cassian Andor from Rogue One is probably my all-time favorite in, in the whole, uh, and obviously that's outside the nine episodes. We're getting into the side movies, but it's critical to set up a new hope and a new hope in the old uh, trilogy is by far the best of all of them. I have some serious issues with the prequel trilogy as well as the most recent ones. They they screwed up a whole bunch of stuff in there uh, as far as canon goes, but I'm okay with that. I'm really excited today. They've announced the Bad Batch coming out. It's a new animated series, blah, blah, blah. This is not a Star Wars podcast, but welcome to the Trailcasters. <laughs> Actually, you know what? The Trailcasters totally could have like a Star Wars vibe in it. I, could, I should get some of the, the Star Wars font going. Like it could be a, there, there could be a spinoff pod in here about some, uh, go discuss uh, some, some new movie series. And I'm sure you'll both be back because you both seem super enthused about uh, all the all the Star Wars nerdiness that I could uh, just <laughs> go down a rabbit hole about. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's go down a different rabbit hole. We have some fun stuff coming to us this week thanks to a former Blazers journalist, analyst, uh, Chris Haynes, hey. working over uh, at Yahoo and on his Post It Up podcast. He has told us uh, that Kevin Love wants to come home. I guess Kevin Love told him that he wants to come home. Uh, and this is a uh, wonderful news considering that two weeks ago we kind of snuck in some some quick Kevin Love talk, some quick jokes about, I think it was UAQ that said, uh, bring Kevin Love home. And uh, I, I'm not sure still, uh, can you actually clarify for us today? Did you mean to Portland or to Minnesota? Both. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm a fan of Kevin Love and he doesn't seem happy in Cleveland. So I guess whatever... Whatever's happy for him in Cleveland, I can get it worked out. Yeah, I mean, if the Blazers brought him, like, I think there's going to be a lot of changes to the Blazers this offseason, and I don't see it happening, a Kevin Love return home. But, yeah, if we brought him home, if Melo thought of retiring, I know um, this is, what, 17th season? Like, if he hangs out the boots or the shoes, like, I would love to bring Kevin Love home. He could take Melo's spot in the rotation. I honestly, I, I could even see him being a backup center at times. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of where he's headed. But now I think he just wants to get anywhere besides Cleveland. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it would be a lot of fun if he came back to Portland. 
uh, you, you guys both went so positive on that so quickly. It makes it, I really was, I was, I was going to try and go, I was trying to go hater on it. Uh, I wanted to talk about like, he, he's played, he's played 21 games this season. The dude's <laughs> averaging like 11.6 rebounds in 23 minutes. And I'm sure we've all seen the, what he did against the, was it the Hawks or the Raptors the other, the other night when he like fist bumped the ball in and just gave away a three it at the end of the game. Horrendous. The, the guy is, I mean, okay, I guess that is also the point that you made, AQ, that he is uh, just not happy. You both made the point that he's just not happy in Cleveland. He he probably doesn't need to be out of there. I, in his prime, I would have loved to have him here. Like, after Aldridge was out, I was like, okay, let me you know, maybe Kevin Love at some point if he is trying to come back. But I I am not sure if I'd see him as the, as the fit. Like, you, you mentioned replacing Melo. Melo is the problem on this roster. I want him replaced by someone more capable, not just another veteran on like on kind of their the tail end, kind of doing their little uh, their retirement tour. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It, it's I get it. I, if if he was if he was capable, if we saw a healthy Kevin Love, I'm not saying it would be impossible. Uh, but here, as far as the quotes from the article, Kevin Love, he's saying to Chris Haynes, who and I'm sorry, I said article. This is on the uh, Chris's podcast. Who wouldn't want to play with Damian Lillard? First of all, he's special. He's amazing. I claim Portland when they ask me where I'm from. It's where I spent all my formative years. I grew up in Portland. When people ask where I was born, obviously I say LA, but Portland is always going to be a special place in my heart. Whether it be at the end of my career, whether it be in six months or whatever it may be, if I was wearing a Portland jersey that's special, that's playing at home. So it does sound like he would want to come up here, and but he's saying right there, all that stuff about end of his end of his career, uh, whether that be six months or end of the career, it could be the same thing. I'm not. I don't know. How how much longer do you think Kevin Love has in the NBA? I'm guessing at least a couple of years. I think that Kevin Love has taken a backseat to players before, and would I think be more than willing to do that. I think he realizes where he is in his career, uh, so it wouldn't be like the whole like mellow stigma where, you know, you weren't sure if Melo wanted to have a bench role and, and all of that stuff. So I, I could see him just being a, a decent player off the bench. Like, and this would be, with, with the price being right as well. Like, obviously, you wouldn't take him at his current contract. You would just kind of bring him in, being bought out and making like something like the veterans minimum or like, you know, somewhere around that range. Yeah, honestly... Kevin Love still has a lot to offer in a limited role. So it wouldn't be something crazy. Um, but we have seen, I get Keith, so we have seen some players coming back from, or going from like a bad team to a good team, like Drummond, that haven't had the same impact. But we've seen like Melo, um, when he's motivated, can be a difference maker at, at points. Uh, okay, uh, you guys might be selling me on this a little bit, so we should probably move on. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it could be. It, I like the idea that if he were to come up here, he probably would be more adjusted to a bench role and kind of playing that veteran mentor than Melo was at the start. And he, even now, I again, I think that's my biggest problem with Melo is, yes, he has great, awesome nights. Congratulations, Melo, for being a top, uh, the now top 10 score of all time probably gonna finish more like ninth or eighth right I, I don't think he's he's done at this point uh i don't know what the gap was exactly i saw it the other night but he's there's still a lot of these games when he is not playing well he's still taking shots that need to be going elsewhere need to be going towards smarter basketball instead of just kind of the the post-up jumper with a solid defender against him so that wouldn't be kevin love's game 
and certainly that contract is not something we're going anywhere near. So that would have to be a, a buyout situation. And I guess that's maybe what we should be watching for uh, as far as down the road. If we do hear that Kevin Love has been bought out, maybe that is the, the first sign of uh, things to come and we will come back to this conversation. I want to talk about some other news though that Chris Haynes also brought to us this, uh, this last week. While the Kevin Love stuff came from his podcast, he wrote an article for Yahoo Sports uh, on Dame and it kind of laid out how hard Dame has tried uh, for Portland. Uh, I think the title was actually, is Damien Lillard fighting the good fight alone in Portland? So yeah, you can you can pretty much tell what that's saying right there. He lays out what Portland has done, kind of uh, implying that we've fallen short here, implying that Dame could be unhappy, might be asking for uh, CJ to get traded. He could uh, consider even leaving Portland, which again is kind of the big, uh, the big scare tactic or scare phrase for all Blazer fans, the idea that another one of our stars would choose to, uh, to walk out because the team wasn't doing well enough. After the article came out, in a, it was the post game after the Brooklyn Nets game, Dwight James asked Dame what he thought about the article, and Dame didn't uh, seem to really throw Chris under the bus. He said he's a writer and he's not mad at him, but he also said that people know our relationship, so they assume that Dame had said some of this stuff, but the way that Chris wrote it kind of almost implies that they had talked about this. Uh, and Dame kind of came out and basically said, I didn't say any of that. This is kind of a classic thing we've seen lots before in sports, I'm sure. Uh, the writer's word versus the athlete's word. If the athlete did say this stuff, is he really going to admit to saying it when he's asked about it uh, in media and on camera? Um, if the athlete didn't say it, why would the writer have written it at all? I guess writers certainly could just be theorizing, but AQ, uh, where do you stand? Do you feel like there's, a, there's any fire behind the smoke? I do think there's a lot of fire. I think Dave's frustrated. Um... And Dame and Chris Haynes have been good friends. They've gone back since when he was right here in Portland. Um, Dame, they've been close. So whatever Chris says, I believe, I, maybe not necessarily like Dame said it, but like said something similar or like was frustrated. And then maybe Chris theorized out of that. Because, you know, writers, you know, the point of a writer is to really conceptualize what athletes are thinking and put it into a story. So, um, I'm not going to hate on Chris Haynes for like writing what he's been told. Like this, That's how you're supposed to make your bread as a writer. But I do believe that Dame is frustrated. I believe that he, you know, he's looking at some of his other peers. Like Steph Curry has an NBA title. Kyrie has an NBA title. And he has a chance to get his second one this season, teaming up with Ludi, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Um, and what did Brooklyn trade for Harden? I don't remember anything. What? three first-round picks that are, or four first-round picks that are all going to be, like, oh, 29th, 30th. The yeah, Blazers could have... Remember when I said the Blazers <laughs> should trade for Harden and you guys all, like, killed me and now Harden... And I, 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 I'm still saying I wouldn't do it. Like, I get your point. I, I get your point. This is a ridiculous trade, but you I still wouldn't do that. In the NBA, you need, you need, you need high-end talent. James Harden is that high-end talent. Anthony Davis is that high-end talent. Paul George is that high-end talent. The Blazers, decent roster don't have a high talent and then there's the whole coaching issue i think dame is probably a little he will never say it but like i think terry's thoughts is kind of running low on everybody around here and 10 years pretty much in the nba like a decade on one team that's that's pretty crazy so it might be time for a change i agree with dame 
You don't have to say too much about Stotts because not only did we cover it before, but you've been sending me the text messages with the Stotts exit counter. So so we know where you stand on that one. And, and honestly, at this point, I can't even argue with you too much on it, man. I have been a Stotts defender for the longest time. I think he has done a great job coaching Portland. He is one of the most winning coaches in Portland uh, in our history uh, across nine years that he's been here. But all that said, it has been nine years, and eventually you do kind of, you know, a lot, a lot of coaches run their course that's a long nine years is a long time for an nba coach in any city at this point uh in in recent runs so it's hard to argue that there's something going on uh in the locker room and so yeah I, i'm not i think there's gonna be a lot of change this summer uh not just in the roster but the front office as well but uh what do you think mikey is is dame asking for a lot here directly or are, is this more on the the writer just kind of making smoke where there there isn't necessarily i think it's just him also being like kind of observant. He even mentions that he believes that Terry Stotts is going to be let go this year. Um, it sounds like he's kind of going in on some of Neil O'Shea's hirings. He talks about they bring in Robert Covington and the defense is still terrible. And, you know, yeah. Um, by the way, I'd like to say that when you guys had the James Harden discussions, I was not present. So, um, <laughs> uh, but yes, I, if the Blazers could have had a package for James Harden, I just don't believe that it was so. And I think that a large part of James Harden going to Brooklyn was him re-signing long-term, but, um, and I'm not sure if he would have done that with Portland. Um, but yeah, I think that Dame certainly, like he he has to be looking at things like tons of injuries, especially this year as well. Last year, of course, and um, yeah, it, I think Dame like certainly could be looking at other options and could be saying like, "Go, oh, what can we get for CJ?" Which is something that us Blazers fans have been talking about for years. Yeah, we talk uh, about that plenty all the time. Definitely, since I've been <laughs> Trailcasters. <laughs> I believe so for years yeah literally for years <laughs> absolutely and um yeah i think that th it, these are probably conversations that they've had before but i think it's also like just like like we've been talking about you, you can kind of see the writing on the wall yeah it's uh it's, it's it's hard to argue that changes are are happening or ahead uh for portland changes are definitely ahead for portland uh, so Chris could just be reading into a lot of that and maybe he is kind of putting Dame's name on it just as far as, you know, he's writing the story or giving you a narrative and he's almost kind of putting it through Dame's eyes because it would be hard to argue that Lillard's opinion uh, on the team and kind of his movement, his uh, his action could obviously influence a lot of the change we would see, uh, like whether, you know, whether he used to stay, go ask for trades or say that certain trades would be OK, whatever. Uh, so. Yeah, it's hard to really say whether this came from Dame or it's just Chris. It's not really a problem either way, because uh, Dame would have a right to to go to Neil O'Shea, to go and say, look, okay, we need to get something done here. We need to have something change, and this is how I want to start it. So we will just have to, once again, like we said with Kevin Love, we're going to have to wait and see uh, what comes next. But when it comes up, when we see some keys, we will definitely talk about it again on Trailcasters. Or if it's about trading CJ, we'll probably just talk about that next week. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about 
this scene specifically, uh, how the narrative changes so quickly around here. The Blazers lost five straight games. Then, uh, you know, then we took a break from podcasting, not because the Blazers lost all those games, because I had other stuff to do, but that's a great coincidence. It worked out well for us. So it's a lot more fun to talk about uh, when they're winning most of the games. When they were losing, though, when we did not podcast, people openly question if they'll even fall out of the play-in, like talking as if they'd fall all the way below 10 seed, which is, I get it, but just ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah, the Blazers' Twitter just just burning everything down at that point. Um, <laughs> the Blazers' net rating, they, it's the net rating has been negative all year, so you've seen a lot of people, like the, the standards saying, like, you know, this is kind of returning to averages. They were uh, uh, kind of losing everything, like losing everything after we've been winning games that maybe we shouldn't have been. Uh, but after that, we then win four straight on the road. We're seeing ball movements, we're seeing more assists, we're seeing defense from the team after all the talk about defense. And I do want to point out too, shout out to my co uh, my coworker, Eric Ringgren at work. He points out the Blazers were the first team in NBA history to follow four straight home losses with four straight road wins. Uh, now we didn't get the fifth. We almost had that one in Atlanta last night. Uh, we can talk about that in a minute, but uh, after falling five games down and, you know, losing those two to Memphis, uh, we are now pretty much even with, or within striking distance with the Lakers and Mavs. And so the Blazers, Lakers and Mavs seem to be kind of shaking out where this is the fight for the fifth, sixth, seventh spot. And then you have, what is it, the Spurs, the Grizzlies and the Warriors, I think, below that fight for the eight, nine, 10. But there's like a three and a half game gap between the two. So this is kind of what I think we're, we're looking at, right? Um, first of all, I want to ask uh, ask you guys, AQ, how are you feeling about the Blazers? Uh, um, sorry, sorry, I said that wrong. I, I, first, I want to ask you guys, AQ, how are you feeling about the kind of swing back and forth of uh, losing the games, winning the games? Have things kind of equaled out for you, or is, is this kind of more, uh, uh, are you feeling kind of off kilter? And on top of that, uh, where do you see the Blazers with the uh, the Mavericks and Lakers? Where do you see this kind of uh, going over the rest of the season? You know what's funny? The uh, the Blazers have actually been much better uh, than the March stretch, uh, March and April or March and April stretch, where they were getting blown out by like every good team. Like those losses, those five straight losses, four of them were by basically one score. If you switch those around, we're in La La Land. We're three games, three and a half games clear of the Lakers and the Mavs. And we'd be potentially saying, hey, can we catch, uh, you know, Denver? Yeah, that's over, a great uh, point. Clippers. Like, the Blazers have, are, I believe, are like 18th in defense since the All-Star game, since Nurkic has been back. Um, uh, the offense has still been top six the whole time. Uh, net, net rating, I think, since Nurkic came back, has been in the top 15. Yes, like, the Blazers have been... Like they they're not getting blown out anymore. Like that's the good thing. Like there was a stretch there where it felt like every big game would get blown out. You lose one one point games to good Clipper Nuggets team. That's not the end of the world. And then we also showed good good stuff, blowing out the uh, the Nets. I know they had some injuries. Uh, a good Grizzlies team on a back to back. So like I'm way more confident about the Blazers now that Nurkic and Dame are healthy. That's the two best Blazers on. That's the two best players on the Blazers when they're healthy. And that can impact the game the most. And I hope to God we rest Dame against Cleveland because I, I think we can still beat them. I would rather him be ready for the back-to-back against the Lakers and Spurs. Speaking of the back-to-back, I, 
I do think the Blazers can finesse their way out to at least a sixth seed. I think the Lakers are going to fall off. Um, I think the Mavs have too easy a schedule for them to fall off. So I think it's going to be Mavs fifth, Blazers sixth, Lakers seventh. I honestly, I know that the schedule is kind of, so just by straight up strength of schedule right now, the Blazers have the seventh hardest in the NBA the Lakers have the 11th and the Mavs have the 26th. And as AQ mentioned tonight, the Mavs are playing a greatly depleted Miami team, but they've been kind of all over the place also. Like, it's not like they've, yeah, they, they've been pretty hit or miss. Granted, like some of those games were against the Sacramento team that seemed to just have their number. Um, but yeah, it certainly looks from a strength of schedule perspective from the Lakers not having guaranteed like LeBron James perspective um, that it could get to the point where it's probably like Mavs five, Blazers six, Lakers seven. I I find that to be pretty crazy that the Lakers would potentially be in the, the playing game. <laughs> right, though. But yeah, like. Uh, and uh, I don't think anybody would want to play them in the, the either like, you know, the second or uh, first seed. But yeah. It, yeah. And OK, it, let's let's talk about this for a second, because first of all, I want to marinate in just the idea that, yes, the Lakers could fall all the way down to the playing tournament. I think that would just be wonderful. I, I as a Lakers hater certified would absolutely love all of that. Uh, but AQ, we, we were all three talking about this pre-show and AQ, you were pointing out. We, we, I guess we were all just kind of discussing that, yeah, it uh, it could really go either way, where on one hand, as we're coming down the end of this uh, schedule here, the Blazers face a lot of tough competition. We've got the Jazz, the Suns, and the Nuggets as our last three games. If the Jazz uh, and the Suns are watching, if they see the Lakers falling down the seventh, do the Jazz want to face the Lakers? Like, if, if they are... Uh, if they're not interested in that, they might face the, they might play the Blazers harder. They might kind of throw a tougher lineup up there to just kind of like hand us one more loss and make it that much more difficult. So it's it's hard to presume like we normally do about the regular season where these teams wouldn't be interested in they're just kind of throwing their benches out there trying to keep their guys healthy. These games matter more because of the playing tournament. Um, this is a Blazers bias, but like if I'm the, you know, the, the Blazers last three, Nuggets, the Jazz, Suns, and Nuggets, like... I think you throw those games when you send the Lakers to the play-in and see what they got because LeBron's injured. Uh, he's going to miss the next the, the Lakers' next two games, the back-to-back against the Clippers on Thursday and then the Blazers on Friday. That's a big talking point. Uh, Davis is still uh, coming back from that injury, and he's still kind of getting back to his level. The Lakers are still a good team. You know, they beat a good Nuggets team last night that's been on a roll. Uh, so, like, not to say they're anything bad. But if I'm the Jazz and the Suns, I rest my players, and they might still win those games because they're still good teams, and the Blazers are the Blazers. They could easily lose to the backup <laughs> Jazz, because why not? Um, but yeah, oh, I would yeah. definitely rest some players and see where the Lakers end up. Let me let me throw in here too. Oh, boy, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> <My> <laughs> <keyboard>. <laughs> but I, I can't imagine those teams wanting to play LeBron James in the playoffs. I just can't in my wildest freaking dreams with LeBron. I know he's hurt. I know Anthony Davis is hurt. I know they've missed a ton of time, but everything they're doing is to be prepared for the playoffs. 
and they would be the last team if I am the Suns or the Jazz that I would want to play in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay, I, I get your point with that, but like it's I think the other thing that AQ made me think of right there though would be if you are the Jazz or the Suns and you're looking at these games, you're going to play in tournament as being like, okay, whoever has to be the seventh seed is playing more games. So if I'm the Jazz or Suns and I'm trying to, you know, maybe thin out the competition before it even gets to the playoffs, to the real playoffs, saying the tougher team, what, the, what they would see as the tougher team, the Lakers, to the play-in tournament might make more sense. You're having them run through like almost extra games before the first round even begins and they're not really seeing the Blazers as a threat. So suddenly it might be more of your mindset AQ. Maybe this does kind of work in our favor. I, I, I you know, send the, send the Lakers down to seventh and that I could see one of those, it's a way of, it's a way of making LeBron have to go through that much more before he gets to them. No? Two f***ing games. Maximum like, <laughs> two f***ing games. Okay. And that's, but yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect transition. That is a perfect way to transition towards the details of the play, play-in tournament. Because we need to touch on this. First off, this, this whole play-in tournament has really been kind of brought back under the microscope because LeBron is a total f***ing hypocrite. He, a year ago when the bubble was going on, he was all for it. He had all these tweets, all these uh, comments about, oh, it's a great thing for basketball. And yeah, these, you know, if these seeds are, are that close and uh, can compete, maybe it should be, you know, part of the regular, se- regular season that we go through each year. He literally is probably a large, a large part of why we're still doing this. He seems salty now. Mark Cuban also kind of when the <laughs> when the Mavs fell to seventh seed, uh, Mark Cuban kind of like ranted out too. It's it's here. Don't need to cry about it. Let's play and let's go. I, the Blazers. Yeah. I'm okay with them going into the plans because I think we can beat Memphis or San Antonio in one game. I I I just gotta say as well. Like, yes, Luca and Mark Cuban did also whine about it. Neither of them made comments about you know so and so should be fired. Uh, millionaires should never be allowed to even joke about someone getting fired. I get LeBron like you're saying he was just being salty, uh, dumb stuff. I'm not really pissed off, but I enjoy hitting on LeBron even more so now that he's a Laker. Uh, I love this though. I love how blatant the hypocrisy is about it. Uh, so anyway, the point is though his comments brought this back under the microscope. And the three of us, when we were talking about this in the pre-show, it came up real quick. There's going to be some differences between the playing tournament in the bubble and the playing tournament here that we're seeing this season. Key differences for me in the bubble, it was about a three and a half game spread. It was, it only was, you know, enacted if the teams were within three and a half games of, I think, the eighth seed or whatever it was. At this point, they're just saying seven, eight, nine, ten are doing a plane. There is no no qualifier. That could be problematic if teams were farther apart. This season, we're not seeing that. The teams, the, the records are all very, fairly compacted together. There's like a three and a half game difference between the seven and eight, but other than that, it's all switching around game by game, day by day. You don't have a problem with that this season, but it could come up in the future. The other side of this, though, that is coming up right now. Uh, we mentioned that. Michael, you mentioned for the transition here that it's only two games, uh, theoretically, potentially. The idea being that the seven and eight seed play in the bubble, if the seventh seed won that first game, then it's done. The seven, seven, oh, it wasn't the seven, eight then, but the point being that if the top seed won, uh, it was done, they move on. The bottom seed had to win twice. That is not the case this year. They are saying that whichever team wins moves on. So if seven and eight, if, if you're the seventh seed Lakers, let's say, and the eighth seed beats you in that first matchup, then you are now facing the winner of the nine and 10 matchup. So if the 10th seed Warriors, let's say, if Steph Curry got real hot, 
won their first matchup against the nine seed and then facing off Lakers versus Warriors wins their matchup, then suddenly the seventh seed is out of the playoffs. And now that is an extreme, extreme uh, swing, I guess, from going the whole regular season and having, we're saying right now there's a three and a half game difference between the 10th seed and, uh, or let's say the eighth seed and the seventh seed. It's probably like three and a half or four or four and a half when you go all the way from seventh seed to 10th seed. That is a pretty big uh, decision, I guess. But uh, what what do you think? Am I crazy here? Is that too uh, too extreme? It's super extreme. It doesn't really, I, I okay, so they're, they're three and a half games ahead of Memphis. They're four and a half games of San Antonio. Like, that's crazy that there's one game deciding that. Yeah. It, that's it's, crazy. It's that's crazy to me that I don't think the home court advantage is enough of an advantage. I I, I thought the format yeah. last year was interesting because of that, that stipulation that you had to win two to get in. I don't like the, like the idea of the tournament overall, but I will say I don't think the system is not that bad. The Blazers, if we get the seventh seed, we need to win two games to prove that we're better than the eighth and ninth or tenth. If we can't do that, then we have no one to blame but ourselves. And both games are at home as the Blazers. If it was like, if we were like, they're not giving the eighth and ninth seed any, um, like any help that they don't deserve. We're getting the help here. We get two games, maybe once, we get one game to win against the eighth seed at home. If we lose that, we get another chance of life and we get to play one of the ninth or tenth seed at home again. So we're I mean, I, I think they are pretty... But there's they're there's no fans, but there's not really side. an advantage. <laughs> well, I mean, any other year, like next year, if there are yeah, fans. Well, exactly. like this year, but yes. it's this but year. I'm talking about in general. I, 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 I'm guessing this doesn't live on. Like, I, I honestly, I don't think it's going to live on. You know you, one you know, question I do have, though? You don't think this is here to stay at this point? You don't think the playing tournament is here to stay? No, I'm not. I I think it very much depends on on how it goes down. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm not sure it's here to stay. LeBron James hates it. <laughs> he, he hates it. involved in it. Yeah, I know. He, he's, he's he might be involved. Obviously, I agree. It's hypocrisy that he used to not mind. <laughs> Though I also agree with AQ, where I think he was at the time where he was talking about that the Blazers weren't in the position that they ended up being in. But um, yeah, I think that it, I don't think that a lot of, I think it's justifiable not to love the system, especially the way that they're doing it. And with that, with that finale and I, like, why have the seventh seed be involved? Like uh, that, that's the thing I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Here's yeah. one question though. What happens if the eight seed beats a seven seed and then the seven seed beats a nine and 10, what happens to the seeding? Does the so eight seed just be eight whoever seed? Wins, whoever wins seven eight is automatically the seven. Yeah. What? Yeah, the winner of that soccer. Yes. So, that's ridiculous. Dude, I'm so, so that's I didn't know. I just thought about that. But that's what I was trying to point out to you earlier, IQ too, as far as like this is definitely helping the lower seeds. The idea that you go a seventy-two game or a full let's say if they if, in my opinion, this is here to stay. I don't think they're putting this back in the box once it's open. But so if you have a full eighty-two game a season and you establish yourself as a seventh seed and you're four and a half games, let's say, ahead of the tenth seed, there's a possibility that over two losses, the tenth seed could be in the playoffs and you could be out despite having a four and a half game better record over the regular season. It really devalues the regular season in that sense. One way to sorry, or one way to look at it. 
is it makes it fun if you're looking at it from a fan perspective. Like I want to see LeBron and Steph in a pressure game, you know, yeah, like to see who's gonna make it. Like I want to see that's gonna be fun. Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, like you know, I want to see what's going on there. Or maybe it's Dame versus Steph. Can you imagine that? And then Dame beat Steph. I'll be so cocky on Twitter. I'll be like Dame Steph better than Steph every day. You know, I'll be I'll be talking trash. Um, <laughs> but but like from the other side though, it's like yeah, it's not fair. Like the team, but it's fun I, and I, it, and it makes tanking. It, it gets rid of tanking, which I personally don't yes. like tanking. Okay, okay, so I, I, I want to get to that in a second, but uh, oh, yeah, no. I, I think as far as, as, the, as far as the format thing, before we get to the, the other side of it, as far as the format, I think the biggest change that they need to go back to is what they did in the bubble, where the upper seed needs to win one, the bottom seed needs to win two in these matchups, because that would change everything. As like, I'm just I'm with you where if if Dame if it's Dame versus Steph in the playoff or in this playing in tournament and Dame wins, then it's a nice easy spot for fans to talk trash. Uh, if I saw Lakers versus Steph for a game, or Lakers versus Warriors for a game, uh, it's like a rematch of what we saw in the finals in years back, and that would be a nice little like extra as a way to kind of enter the playoffs. It'd be fun for fans. It does keep more fan bases uh, involved, but if if you keep that advantage of having the top seed only having to win one and the bottom having to win two, it just makes it so you can't have a fan base complain as much if they lose two games, even by only a few points or some fluke or some whistle. They lose two games that are suddenly out of the playoffs. If you had to, if you, if a seventh seed had to lose four games in a row to be out, I think it gives the regular season wins more value. That aside, or that that format change aside, we can come back to that in future episodes. I think it's a much longer topic that we go into. Overall, I think I'm with you, AQ. This is good for basketball. You have more fan bases engaged through the end of the season when you have more teams thinking they have a chance to play us. You also have. Like we said about the Jazz and the Suns watching this and maybe thinking, oh, we can't just necessarily sit our players out. Theoretically, you might want to win certain games at the end of the season to try and influence or manipulate the seventh or eighth kind of the matchups. There's more intrigue this way. You have more people involved. It doesn't just become a thing where just looking at, okay, who are the top seeds and people maybe checking out or fan bases that aren't the top seeds checking out uh, in the first round. Uh, I think it's good overall, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, look at the Chicago Bulls. Yes. They're, they're 13 games under 500, or yeah, under 500. But they still think they can get the, uh, that 10th seed. They're only three games back from the Wizards with eight games to play. And I think they play each other twice. Like, or they, they don't play each other. But the Wizards have a good, like a decently hard schedule. So it's like, maybe we can catch them. They have a reason to play. And then the top seeds have a reason to play too if they're playing uh, potential, if they want to mess with like seeding themselves. So it gives everybody an incentive as long as you know, you're know you not like 13, 14, and 15. And, and Mikey, I know you got one of the, I know you want to got to respond to this, but let me add too the financial side of if these teams are seeing kind of playoff basketball, more NBA cities, more NBA franchises seeing that, those are bigger paychecks. So financially, I don't see how the league would let this go away at this point. Changing the structure and the format, maybe, but I don't think this is going away. My personal format, I I think would like it still add like some intrigue and some possibility. Make nine and ten play and then have that team have to win two games to beat the eight seed. Like I I, I, don't, I would okay the seventh seed out of it. So don't even involve seventh, just have a, have yeah. the- Because I, I, I think like the wild card is, yeah. Like the, the fact that the Warriors could be three games behind Portland and beat Portland once, 
and make the uh, win the seventh seed over Portland. Like even the AQ, you like you agreed with me. Like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's it's not really fair on the seventh seed. I get that. Yeah. The eighth seed, it's the last seed. Um, you barely snuck in, anyways. Like it would make more sense if you have yeah. the eighth and ninth fight, but seventh seed you earned it. You know you're you're probably like usually okay. you're like four or Especially five games ahead of the ninth seed. Okay, Especially. so there you go. So so we fixed it then. So if they could fix the format change where the top seed in these matchups needs to win once, the bottom seed needs to win twice, and leave the seventh out of it, let it be the ninth and tenth face off. The winner of that faces the eighth seed. You almost have a kind of a, a mimics wild card, the wild card format in baseball, I believe, something kind of similar. Uh, says the non-baseball fan. Uh, but I think beyond that, it's important too. You gotta have some sort of like game win-loss window. Like if if the tenth seed is seven games below the ninth or eighth seed, no, you you don't get to get involved. Maybe you still have the eighth, and ninth kind of do some same yeah. matchup setup where the eighth has to win once, the ninth wins twice. Anyway, I think we solved this overall. We got some kinks to work out, but overall, uh, I, I think that really does kind of. You know, the NBA should just kind of hire us to, to run the whole the whole show here at the, the, the playing tournament and, uh, and give us some paychecks. But in the interest of keeping things more concise, let's call that an episode right there. AQ, Mikey, thank you guys both again for joining me this week. Can you let the listeners know where to find you? Thank you for having me on. Uh, follow me okay. on Twitter at Abdikalis, A-B-D-I-Q-A-L-I-S. Um, yeah, let's hope the Blazers can still – we can still get the fit seed. Let's hope the Blazers can get the fit seed. That would be yes. fantastic. Um, let, let's hope they can play the Nuggets at this point. Like, I, I think that would just be a lot of fun. Um, I am NBA Draft Mikey V on Twitter. Thank you, as always, for having me, Keith, and great talking with you, Abby Qualis. Um, I um, got my, my second shot of the vaccine. Super stoked nice. about that. And, uh, yeah go out and, and get it uh, i hear that a lot of cities unfortunately have a surplus now so yeah hopefully people can go out and get the vaccines yeah thank you both guys really appreciate you both coming on for another week of this in closing your honorable listeners that's it that's our show thank you again to aq and mikey and thank you odar for these fat beats and thank you listeners for a great listening we hope you enjoy your blazers your rip city basketball and our latest episode thank you again and please come back for the next edition of the Trailcasters.